0: Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teachers Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners with Israel by discussing and exploring current events and relevant issues. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Thank God. Doing good, Mike. Okay. Uh, can you introduce our topic? And then I'd like to do some quick listener feedback.
1: Yeah, we're trying to throw things off this week because it's the beginning of the Hebrew month Adar, where things are supposed to be opposite. So I'm going to introduce the topic for yeah. a change. Oh, well, that's um, a good spin. Um, so uh, two things that I think are converging that have come together really is, uh, first of all, there was the death of Hosni Mubarak, who was the longtime uh, head of Egypt, and um, and Israel's relationship with Egypt was more characterized by with him than any other Egyptian leader, um, and also what's happening now with the Trump peace plan as it as it sort of is re, uh, being related to by the Democratic um, front runners and and the debates going on. I think those two are connected. And so, uh, we'll so talk I'm going to tur- yeah,
0: turn back to you to explain why those are yeah. connected in a minute. But first, I just wanted to point out that we had some listener feedback, one from Noam, who pointed out we were talking last week about how for most Israelis, they don't feel the frozen government in their daily lives. But uh, no one pointed out to me that if you're in business, then planning is part of what you do in your daily life. Hmm. So when you're relying on government interaction, whether it's you know a grant or a loan or or whatever or whatever the planning is, or you know maybe if you're on road construction and you need the government plan, so there are businesses now where in their daily life, because planning is part of how they do their work, they're already working on their next stages. Right. They they're frozen. So he's saying you do feel it. And you know, and that that's that could be an existential threat to a business if you don't know where your next sure. level of income is coming in.
1: Right. And it goes back to what we talked about. The budgets. The budgets yeah. are frozen. And yeah. that's so you're right. And especially small businesses who rely on those things can be very seriously affected. Yep. So, you know, I, I do think we, you know,
0: we alluded to it, but I thought it was worth uh, mentioning more clearly. Absolutely. And uh, also we got a uh, question from South Africa, about uh, the whole country or
1: just a- no, not the whole country. <laughs> just one listener uh,
0: yeah. about um, from Gila asking, uh, "What? What? How, how does it work that the if let's say the election comes out and let's say BB you know conform you know is given the the mandate the mandate to form a coalition, but he's not only under indictment but in two weeks you know his trial is starting. You know the election's Monday. How, how does that work for?" a person to build, form a government, all of it, play out while he's under indictment and at least in the process of setting up the the trial. Um, I, to which I think the first primary answer is we don't know because it's never happened. That's the real right. first answer. Uh, Attorney General Mandelbut said he can pretty much, he seemed to indicate that he could proceed as usual, forming a coalition and all of
1: that. But uh, Yeah, I mean, I would assume that there are people who are going to bring it to the Supreme Court to rule on it. Um and that that's that would be the best assumption. um And uh, I think that uh, then we'll see. I mean, really, that's- It's going to be fought a, over. Yeah, it'll be a fight. It'll be a fight. And good, good chances is this is going to be a continuous fight- For <laughs> through, quite a while, which would, if de- that, which if would that, delay the trial out. itself from its schedule? I, I don't know. I mean, or would it delay forming the government? I don't know. You can't right? delay forming the government. Like, you have to- Well, they could pass a law. I mean, you'll have a Knesset. You'll yeah. Have a, pro- they could pass a they law could pass saying a We don't need saying, a government to. No, saying that we give the government another 50 days to. Geez, Louise. Right now? I mean. I
0: guess. I guess anything's. Well, I guess that's uh, why I, I go back to the Supreme I don't know.
1: Court on it. Again,
0: I mean. This has never happened. So there is no precedent. So right. they're going to have to make it up as you go along. It seems to me that the inertia seems to be that we're going to let the political process play as it goes and the criminal process play as it goes and we're not going to cross those streams so to speak and we're just going to let them both work simultaneously that's my guess is how it will play out as bizarre as that is good as guess as any it's as good a guess as any because to stop it the the we are already in such a place of political dysfunction that uh, i don't know I, i i'd be very shocked if somebody said no no let's slow things down let's wait to form the government like we're already over a year without a government so right
1: <laughs> but uh, well i mean yeah but by the way we do have to remind there it, there no, there's a functional there.
0: provisional government yeah.
1: working there is a
0: Knesset and there is a yeah, yeah, yeah. a acting government but there is no officially mandated correct yeah okay we'll just, leave just for clarity basically
1: we just have to wait to see yeah it's gonna everything's going to come down to, as we said, the elections are on Monday. They've changed it from Tuesday to Monday, which I missed that whole thing. Why? But yeah, I don't know why. With, in any case, Monday— That was early they announced that. I yeah, don't know yeah, why, yeah, yeah, but I, I missed why. But the the elections are on Monday, and then we'll wait and see.
0: Yep. And we'll reflect afterwards. I think we're having Rachel come in for the post-election as yeah. one of our you know big political Correct. experts. Um, now, you have to explain to me, Alan, how the death of Hosni Mubarak, which— mm-hmm. Received, I think, an underwhelming amount of response. People were like, bogey, okay, because he hasn't yeah. been relevant uh, uh, for so long for
1: for nine years now since he was and he was in jail, out of jail, pardoned, yeah. uh, all this kind of stuff. Deposed, so, yeah, convicted, yeah, pardoned,
0: but he's dead. A, but um, but the which thing, is not great on your resume.
1: Which is not on your resume, but on the other hand, dead. on the other side of his resume, for positive or for negative, he is one of the most important figures in the last, you know, 30, 40 years in the Middle East. <laughs> well, he was I, I would so, argue, I would argue a stabilizing figure.
0: Yeah. In creating a status quo that worked with with the West and right. within the Arab world. Egypt is the most is the largest by population, yep. certainly Arab country, and has always had a major role in shaping right. the region since the Arab Spring. It's you know, it's been yeah. going through instability so, and so it's playing less of a prominent role. But certainly so let's ob- just back up for a second. Although so it was Sadat see. who made the peace treaty, yeah. It was oh. he was assassinated and it's Mubarak who really uh maintained his, the, so, the security so, relationship with Israel.
1: Right. So I think we should back up a little bit, just talk about who Hosni Mubarak was, because especially our students in the last ten years. Don't remember we Don't him, really remember him yet. or know who he was and why when the things were alluding which to. Which is weird because when your so, first
0: name is Hosni,
1: you would think people would- <laughs> Would pay attention. Yeah. So let, let's go back. He he comes on the stage- I always called him Hosni, by the way. Just. Yeah. His major like big, I guess, world stage is as the commander of the Egyptian air force in the Yom Kippur War, which they call the October War, mm-hmm. which was in 1973, Israel, um, e- obviously Egypt, Syria, and Jordan- uh, not Jordan, sorry, Israel and Syria, um, and uh, and then during the um, peace negotiations with Israel, he is the vice president. He's number two man to Ammar um, Sadat, and when Ammar Sadat is is um, assassinated by um, Islamic fundamentalists, partly in this whole peace process thing, um, Hosni Mubarak steps in as the as the as the president, and he remains the president from. What year was that? Now am I escaping me? Early nineteen eighties, until two thousand and eleven. So yeah, yeah, two thousand eleven. He That's is an the amazing record of being elected.
0: Right? I mean, the people must really love him. Yeah,
1: he actually got ninety percent in every election over, after. That. I think over. Yeah, maybe ninety percent. Right. Yeah. Great so, campaigner. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So basically, it's president for life, which is which, which has a tradition. <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't
1: because. He was deposed.
0: Well, that's true. But, but, but there is a – it is a weird phenomenon of the 20th and, and, 20, yes. and early 21st century, which is the pretending you're a democracy when you're not gay, right?
1: which is so weird. So is a dictatorship. It's an, Just say it's, it. It's a dictatorship. Just say it.
0: Right. But they uh, don't want to because in their relationship with the West, they like to – they are a pseudo – they are a, a – uh, a, what do you call it? A, fa- a fake democracy. A, mm. Not a pseudo-democracy, but a
1: uh, – Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but so, and then in, in 2011, he's basically deposed um, with the civil uh, uprising in Egypt and across the Arab world. Which at, was largely
0: wh- led by de- democratic reformers who wanted to turn Egypt right. into a democracy.
1: And what they did is they turned it into democracy, and the first election was won by the Muslim Brotherhood, Islamic fundamentalists, yeah. who were then deposed a year and a half later by, again, a yeah. military dictator very much on the lines of Hosni Mubarak. Ammar um, Sadat and Gamal Nasser. Well, CC worked uh, under. So,
0: he was a general under Mubarak. Exactly. So he's from the same. Exactly. From so that they reestablished. He reestablished the military dictatorship. Right. I think the people of Egypt lost their taste for democracy in the chaos that followed. I guess, or yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are taste, reformers but, who still want it, but
1: yeah. I think that the, the the that the I mean I think it just goes back to that structure that was set up in the post um, you know World War II Egypt. Which mm-hmm. really came from Nasser and then Sadat and Mubarak after is, the is, military
0: revolution that threw out the yeah. colonially uh, appointed king.
1: Right. So that that structure isn't so easily undone, even if it has its. It, it isn't it, so it was, easily undone, a,
0: and democracy isn't so easily to easy to establish without right. a cultural background. To make it meaningful
1: and right and real infrastructure changes in the yeah. in the country. So and I I,
0: I, but I, I want to emphasize that it's not just the the infrastructures and the systems. It's the it's the cultural assumptions that underlie democracy that, that can both make it difficult to build, and also, once those are gone, can easily erode a democracy. Yeah. I mean, I would consider
1: that part of the infrastructure. Okay. That yeah. That, the that, social, that, yeah. Cons- the narrative infrastructure. Yeah. And the social okay. contract for sure. Um, but I, what I'd like to turn to is in terms of Mubarak is that he is really the architect of the cold peace mm-hmm. that Israel has. In other words, Sadat is the one who initiates the peace mm-hmm. um, process and signs it and Israel and Egypt enter a state of peace. Now, part of that peace was a serious um, part was supposed to be what... um uh, peaceful nations have what you would call in the West, which is open diplomatic. Yeah, you know, not just yeah, not just diplomatic, but even beyond that, business and trade and cultural and and exchange of ideas and university, like er, from every sphere, of, open border, um, open borders, right? At least like uh, you know, from every every part that that was kind of the original normalization vision. of relationships. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and when Mubarak comes in, he kind of. If we can maybe talk about positives and negatives in terms of this cold peace, he he certainly keeps the um, uh, abnormalization. Yeah, right. But that the on the like government level, the diplomatic level, and the like military uh, military level cooperation at a very strong peace. So that since. 1973 we have not had an all out war in the Middle East mm-hmm. you know with Israel that's Israel's been involved in or really anybody but certainly Israel's been involved there's obviously been wars and conflicts and things like that but an all out no war the state
0: no nation state has fought a war with Israel since 1973 right. the peace with Egypt and Hosni Mubarak maintained was part of that story right excellency kum so, right, so right, right. That, that, I, I, that's
1: exactly, or uh, the leader in that, I would say I, the leader of that. Yeah, look, I, without I taking give away that.
0: without taking away credit from the Israeli side and the Israelis yeah, yeah. who created it yeah, and maintained sure. it, also, but on the Egyptian side, Mubarak, yeah, changed that. That cold peace is a pe- there was a peace part of the cold peace, but right. there's also a cold part of the cold peace, right. Which was he didn't challenge the consensus that had they, that the government itself had built in the Egyptian street, which was that Israel is an enemy that has to be destroyed and although we made peace with it he didn't he, did, he didn't I, I don't know how much of it is driven from grassroots that he didn't want to normalize and how much of it is because of the broader arab world and how much of it is his own but he did not normalize relationships with Israel.
1: No, he didn't normalize it in the sense of again those again trading, science, and business on large scale. There are you can you can go back and you can look and you can see this thing. An- and that Anti-Israelism thing, but honestly, is still openly right, promoted on the Egyptian trade, street. And, yeah. yes, and of course you do have some tourism that goes, but you don't yeah. have massive. And of course you have a huge Israeli flow into the Sinai, but in terms of a real like a, you know Israelis can visit Egypt and Egypt, but you don't have you don't huge have a lot cooperation. Of tourism in Israel, right? You don't have massive cooperation between. The, it's not normal. Right. So uh, I think that, uh, I don't know, some articles have called him an unimaginative leader, right? In other words, he's a status quo guy, mm-hmm. right? And the status quo, the easiest way to remain the status quo is to um, keep things the way they are. Yeah. You know, that's what status that's quo Yogi is. That's you know, yeah. I mean, a The easiest uh, way I'm to s- keep
0: the status quo is keep things the way they are. Yeah, yeah
1: I'm sorry. Sorry so, to be so yeah. uh, obvious and simplistic. Well, what you but, don't want to do is right? rock the boat and, yeah.
0: and take chances. You want to keep, you want to, under you don't want to overreach, you want
1: to underreach, yeah, so that it's safe. So it's hard to imagine that if if Mubarak had been, you know, the leader that you know that we would have had a peace at all. But once it was there and in place, um, he he does keep it, even though his predecessor was was you know murdered by fundamentalists. Yeah, so he does clamp down on the fundamentalists, but 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 keeps this um, balance and a lot of it focused on the Palestinians. Yeah. Meaning until there's normalization with the Palestinians, then we don't have a real you know, a real peace, yeah. right? And real normalization. And I would say, and why I'm like, maybe also think, because that is really the model that we have with Jordan also, Yeah, I, I would argue. So that the peace with Jordan is a very, very similar peace. So therefore, Jordan was willing to make peace once we were making peace with the Palestinians, with Oslo. But as soon as that process freezes, so the Jordanian process freezes, and now we see even now as... It's become more do you, difficult do you with believe Palestinians. That's the reason?
0: What? You believe the reason is that Palestinians haven't achieved statehood. That's why Jordan and Egypt have a cold peace with us.
1: Oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I was saying that. I'm saying that. They, that's that, what that, they're saying. That's what they're saying. But
0: that's not the real reason.
1: Oh no, I think the real. Uh, I don't know. What the, I mean, the real reason is because it's harder again to convince your street. Yeah. Right, that of 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 change and instilling that, especially oh, this is the and the point again, especially when you are a country that has kept the status quo in your infrastructure development of your economy. Yep, right, because we have to remember we can't separate it from that. These are countries that have absolutely no industry. Right, they don't create anything. Right, Jordan at all doesn't even have resources really. Right. But Egypt, its resources are based on oil. Yeah, um, it, like we're talking in the big picture, and now we know what's happened in the last, you know, quarter of a century is that there's been a, a large population explosion, mm-hmm. with no jobs for the youth, and as they are, of course, more connected to the world, and they're having more the, of also education and health, and all of those things mm-hmm. are increasing, but yet they have no future in terms of economy and growing, and so uh, there's a tremendous amount of tension in these countries. Mm-hmm. And that is the real big problem. So what's the way of, to keep things down? Yeah. is to point to a common uh problem. Yeah. Israel and Palestinians. Yeah, and we are helping, you know, we are holding the gate against
0: the enemy. It's a common authoritarian dictator's trick of look, you know, things are tough, but we have to, you know, we have this danger outside that we have to maintain. How do you do that while having a peace treaty with those people? Well, that's a bit of a of a of a balancing act and that's sort of what Mubarak
1: did. Right. And 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 and, 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 and as we see now you know Jordan's king um, is not nearly as creative and as Second. imaginative Abdullah II as his as his father was. Yeah, right, King Hussein. Right. Well, Hussein so, played
0: it rather openly. But uh, although times have changed, also is it is it that Abdullah isn't as creative as Hussein, or that the the tensions have risen, including in no, Jordan? Nobody talks about back.
1: You know, back, back channel, back channel with, with, with Abdallah, like they did with Hussein. It was an open Right, but in the, secret, in the age of Al-Qaeda an and ISIS,
0: like things, the world is not the world. Uh, part of it, I'm yeah, sure, okay. has to do with the
1: person, and part of it has to do with the the A, game board has changed. Again, but that game board has changed, I would argue, mostly because of the policies in those Arab countries in terms of development, in terms of economy, democracy, all those well, things, right? Well, that's, that's the problem.
0: No, part of the problem of having a leader like Mubarak who who kept the status quo for 30 years and managed to clamp down on resistance yeah. is you you had you had you, you created was a uh, a pressure cooker that ultimately exploded yeah. you know you know a- after the first decade of the 21st century so status quo is not a great form of leadership in a world that's involved in rapid change in a region of in the, the network, world yeah. which is constantly undergoing rapid change. Right. And it's always in the leader's interest to keep a certain degree of status quo but for their own self-interest, but then you're not really looking ahead for the people and how to build a stable future right. for them.
1: And you see Saudi Arabia struggling with that right now. Oh my gosh. With that, right? I and mean,
0: that's the Middle Eastern dilemma yeah. of we like things the way they are, but we don't know how to maintain it.
1: So how do we keep things the way they are and yet deal with change. and Exactly. And that, and that's why I would point back how this connects to the Palestinian problem because the Palestinians issue is that they don't even have like a state to play no. with. Yeah. Right? So they're, they don't have it. Their status quo is not viable. No. Meaning, I'm not saying that the Egyptian status quo is viable either, but at least from the leader's perspective, it is. <laughs> yeah. Right? From the people's perspective. In in, Pal- in the Palestinian territories and in the Palestinian Authority, status quo is not really viable. They don't have a state. Well, I would say differently. So,
0: it's more viable than, to them than a two-state solution because a state in part of yeah. Palestine would be harder for them to do than to be the outsiders complaining that they don't have freedom and so you can't hold them accountable for not taking care of the people. In other words, they're, they're so dysfunctional, their leaders, that, they're, that, that the blaming the enemy thing is so basic because they can't do the basic things that a government needs to do. Right. And so this status quo is better for them than taking a state, which which from the outside, from the West, people say, well, why don't they just take a state in part? Part of state is better than no state. And, you know, you have their leaders saying all the time, like, we're not, we're not settling for anything. We're going to have all of Palestine back one day and, you know, just, you know, help us to get there. And they're leading their people down, meaning they'd rather be complaining about a bad status quo because that is more stable than changing the status quo in a way that we think would make things better for
1: their people. Okay, so you said it in a, in a way I was okay. Uh, I agreed. Okay, Yeah. <laughs> agreed. why you said it differently? And uh, no, that's fine. Yeah, uh, okay. uh, the, uh, 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 I'll keep it that. And and so now when we go to how like so how does the Trump plan? Yeah, what does it have to do with the American coming politics? At this it? Because right now, first of all, we saw last night uh, or tonight was last night or the debates. Last night was the debate. The last night was the debate. So there were, there was lots of commenting on the Palestinian. Right on the Palestinian-Israeli. Um, also in the town halls uh, recently, right.
0: uh, Sanders' positions are are exactly. extreme. So what so are reporters Sanders, are bringing them up? So what are and what are Sanders' positions? Uh, well, the first brouhaha was when he said, "You know, I Israelis have a right to exist, but so do Palestinians. So I won't go to AIPAC because it supports bigotry." Now this was surprising right. to nobody who pays attention because Sanders never goes to AIPAC right. because he's. Sanders right uh but people were like well how could he say that well that's just Sanders being Sanders and it was just entering the news cycle right. and people being you could be a, you could be angry at it but don't be
1: surprised right um and of course this is a democratic front runner for a lot of Jews that's oh my goodness that's that's a most problem. <laughs> Jews who
0: don't want to the majority of American Jews who don't want to vote for Trump now have a problem because most of those American Jews support Israel right. and don't like a person who is anti-apac as a Haven of bigotry because right. they won't talk to people, and you know here's Bernie Sanders saying, you know I won't speak at APAC because they host people I disagree with. Right? Really, Bernie Sanders? Like you'll go on Fox News and speak at Liberty University, and 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 say how you know what? Well, you know Castro did some very good things, but you won't appear at APAC. Right. So he is a weird double standard of who he's willing to compromise with, right. you know, on his values. So he, he's a troubling figure. Because he's he's more of a social he, he's he's coming from a socialist utopia idea right. where nation national identity isn't important. So the the Jewish state is not going to right. ultimately speak to him. And uh, some of the other uh what was some of the candidates? other candidates? Uh well he also said he'd think of moving the embassy out of Jerusalem. Right. Which was bonkers it, it, because I don't by know if it's bonkers. Lo- it's pretty bonkers. I mean American law says that's where the
1: Executive orders. That's what we're working on. Executive orders. Say it's a it's it's a threat to the whatever. I don't want to debate that. Let's yeah. Know, so what are some of the other, some of the other? Do you remember some of the other candidates? Like uh, uh, pretty standard. Netanyahu this
0: week said, uh, you know, Joe Biden's r- running for office. He's a good friend of mine yeah. and a true friend of Israel. Which I don't. I still can't wrap my head around right what Bibi was making that comment for. Uh, I don't know what his political. Yeah. I mean, I think so. That's fair, but why is he meddling in? American yeah. politics for Joe Biden it was weird. Uh but like uh, other than that, you know, it depends on where you are on the lineup. The more to the right you are in the Democratic Party, the more But what's the standard answer?
1: What's the standard answer? To? Israel has to to you know, uh the the question of Trump's Trump's peace plan or Well the any Democrats kind of don't, don't like problem? Trump's
0: plan cuz it's Trump's. Yeah. And also because it it is totally one-sided on Israel and any peace plan has to right. look at both sides. Fairly, it's the the democratic approach to Israel. At, you know, at the core is the Israeli left, right. and the Republican approach to Israel is the Israeli right. Not surprisingly, right. Traditionally, both parties have been uh, very pro-Israel, right. but in the Democratic Party, you have a growing group on the left who are anti-Israel, and they are making inroads into the party. You know, Sanders right. who. You know, well, he won't go to APAC because it supports bigotry. It openly it, uh, uh, appreciates Linda Sarsour's support, who is, I don't think, free of accusations right. of absolute anti-Semitic anti-Semitism and bigotry. So, so, so that wing of the Democratic Party. Is is troubling to many Jews, especially when Sanders is a frontrunner.
1: Uh, so what I right? So I, I what I kind of noticed again, which is the typical thing, which is we've pointed out many times, has been pointed out, and we've good, go back to that article in the Tablet that um, slipped my mind. Who wrote it about the the journalist about how the world sees Israeli Palestinian conflict? Oh, uh, Mati Friedman. Mati Friedman. Thank you, Mati Friedman's, Which is again the paradigm is Israel has to solve this. So right. where Sanders and others are willing to call out Israel's government, and right. also they're willing to call out the Trump plan, whether right. you like the Trump plan or not, right? right? They're, it, the whole focus is on what Israel has to do, right. and Israel without calling out the Palestinian right. side, without saying, okay, what what say? Wait a second, okay, like Sanders it works with Mubarak. Sanders is willing to say, Bibi is a bigot. Well, what about Abbas? What about the Palestinian leaders? Right. Right? So you have all these Palestinian leaders.
0: Israel is committed to 2 million Arab citizens in its country. Abbas says no Jews should be allowed to live in Palestine. No Jews.
1: And, right. Okay, and that's... very senior, very senior Palestinian uh, figures call very racist things about destruction of Israel, and we're not just right. So, uh, whereas Palestinian television has preachers saying that you yeah. know Jews are evil and rotten, and yeah, yeah, and so whereas the 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 Democrats are are willing to ca- are calling out Israel and maybe even calling out rightfully so on Israel's bigotry. There are racists in the government, yeah. and, and, and and many Israelis and, complain about the government. Right? Exactly. There, there's no equal call out on. On that side. And to me, that is the continuing status quo that was set up by Mubarak and those other right. dictators.
0: Mubarak is where, the
1: proof that when an yeah. Arab leader wants peace, there's peace. Yeah. And and also, what's the peace he makes? If you go right. back to, again, re, go back to the roots of why the Israel-Egyptian peace process happened was because that... Um, Sadat wanted to switch from a USSR-based to a United States-based support, and that was very easy to do, and that was a that was a bone, and it helped, and it worked, and uh, all of a sudden, through the eighties until today, the U- United States props up the Egyptian government mm-hmm. with tremendous amounts of of money and support, and almost no building of economic infrastructure, right. so that. And, and and promotion of democracy, mm-hmm. and they're not promoting democracy in any way. Right. So what you have is you have a, a government that is continuing to support the status quo, where um, you're keeping a Middle East that is stuck in pre-modern times in yeah. any way. Right. Well, that, no? that
0: that the American approach of foreign policy in the Middle East was let's work with the dysfunctional yeah. uh, 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 dictatorships that keep things stable because we also like stability, and right. it, and and. and, and The chickens are coming home to roost, to like that, that, that the chaos in the Middle East is years of not moving ahead is, is there's a price tag to that eventually that
1: you'll have to pay, you know. And that's a huge migration because obviously, and I don't blame them, people in the Middle East want a better life and the better life is in the West. Right. So why wouldn't they move, right? right? That's what we as Jews did. We move to places that are better, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you know.
0: What would you say, by the way, to a defender of Bernie Sanders who says, "Look, the Trump administration has weighed the scale so clearly on the Israeli side, and they're not blaming them for anything. They're just blaming the Palestinians for everything." So Bernie has to speak out for the Palestinians and blame the Israelis for everything.
1: I mean, look, I would. I, I, my general thing is is, is you got to call out both sides if you want to yeah. be a, a real negotiator. If you want to be someone who's playing, you got to call out both sides. Well, to me, <laughs> so, why would you? So, I, and I and never course, understand those arguments. And of course, the Palestinians. Sorry, the Palestinians are saying one thing to the West and another thing in Arabic in Nahal, Pal- yeah. to Palestinians and others, which has been since the Oslo. I mean, that I remember Always. Arafat doing well, that in 1995. Is today you don't have to read them you know? in
0: the eighth yeah. page of some Israeli newspaper. Correct. Today you can watch them on YouTube, yeah. on Memory Accessing. or Pal Watch. You can see right. these things that are going on on Palestinian television, and yeah. yes, there there are you know green shoots of positivity sometimes, but overall it's a lot of really. Bad stuff yeah. and and you know I I never understand arguments like that like well if they're doing it then I have to do it okay if you think what they're doing is stupid, why do you want to be stupid right like don't you want to be smarter if you think him being one-sided is stupid so you be fair-minded and yeah. and that should be the contrast not you know I won't go to APAC because I care about Palestinians yeah really so. what what's the connection Lots of people who go to APEC care about Palestinians I don't understand. What does that mean? Right. Uh,
1: it's so. Uh, it's just another. No. Side. Well, I mean, I see it as more uh, yes or no. But I mean, as you're saying, when you, I, th- I think this is what you're saying when you say Sanders being Sanders is that look, he's built his run on anti-establishment. A is he establishment. Is. He is so, who he is. This is so who he is. He doesn't. Believe, you know,
0: he's anti-democratic party.
1: Yeah. He's anti. He's anti all yeah. establishment. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, so that's not so surprising. They won't go to APEC. The way he talks about it, of course, is you know. And and <laughs> politics should have a place
0: for people at the extremes who are shouting ideological things that can't be resolved in any meaningful way, but they should not be at the center of politics. You would historically, crazy ends up being ending ending up at the fringe, and when well, it, so it moves the center in in one way or another. It yeah, affects it the informed. center, and the center informs addresses it. It, yeah. it informs it, it informs but there should be a healthy center that is more balanced. It's correct. And you know, we are we are living in a world where a healthy center is less successful in many countries politically that are now swinging yeah. more. But that was so. I, so, if, if let me say what I think your yeah. connection is, yes, yes. and you tell me if I got it or not. The Mubarak example of. How an Arab leader can build a stable relationship with Israel, dysfunctional as it is, shows you that Western politicians should be very careful to not address the Arab side of any conflict that Israel has with an Arab neighbor, whether it's Palestinian or others. They should be talking very clearly about with these Palestinian leaders about how they need to move their society along to get to be in a healthier position, both with regard to Israel, but more fundamentally for themselves. And, 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 and saying, and if they're will, yeah. if they're not doing that, then they're at tremendous fault for their fate. Yeah. They are ultimately
1: responsible for their own fate. And, and I think that, well, and I would, I mean, I would go further. That if we really want to talk about like this vision of, of Shimon Peres, if people want to talk about the vision of Shimon Peres in, in going into the Oslo of an open-bordered yeah. Middle East, of a yeah. Middle East that is... Economically, growth, uh, growing, and and is positive, and so that that's only going to happen when there's change in the Arab. When world. there's change in the Arab world, and as much as we have to call out Israel's problems, we should be focusing on all the problems. Correct. And some of them, which are a lot more serious,
0: and many of which limit Israel's options yeah. to come up with creative solutions. Yeah. When you're when you're in a region of the world. Your your options are limited if you need to not have your country blown up by rockets and missiles. Yeah.
1: By the so, way, we didn't even talk about that this week. That yeah, we were in another round of over a hundred missiles yep. being shot at out Israel. Over rockets, what thirty six hours? Yeah. Over a hundred, and we just we didn't even talk about it. It was not the even South news now. It wasn't down. news for us, or probably our listeners who are outside of Israel don't even have barely an. Yeah. Oh, of I happened. don't
0: think I don't know how much it was reported. I will tell you, listening to radio and hearing the interviews. With the family, you know, what's it like in your house today? Well, my kids are in at home from school, obviously. You know, we're trying to stay out of the shelter as much as we can. And I was thinking as a listener, I'm like, yeah, I've heard this a thousand times before. Like, I get it. What is happening? You know, and Israeli Israeli politicians, you know, especially from blue and white are saying, well, we'll make sure
1: that it isn't like that as often as it is. Can they? I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a whole different subject about, yeah. you know, Naftali Bennett, who's now defense minister, who's screaming about the he'll policy take care of us. Right now he's defense minister. And now of he's of course defense it's a lame duck government, but still. Anyway, right. the point uh, the the point is is that Israel has, I think you were making, and I agree, has certain limitations in yeah. terms of who we're dealing with. Yep. And until those functioning societies change to yeah really positive. Yeah. When Bernie says, then, and then, the occupation.
0: Okay, if Israel left the West Bank, then we'd have no Israel. They would do, shut do down Israel in a week. Do you think things would be better? Right. <laughs> do you think things? By would the be way, better, would things you know? be better for the Palestinians? No. Would their quality of life be better? Of course. So stop talking. You know, the, the, it bothers me. I think that you know, I think there is a place for idealists, ideologues who talk in extremes to make you know comments into the cultural discussion, and then you know we take it. And, and added it to our conversation. But they, we shouldn't be voting for them to be our political leaders. You know, the aboli- I always give this example, the abolitionists said, end slavery now. And Lincoln said, let's see what we can do. Let's stop the expansion. I have to, let me rebuild the union if I can do that. And that means that we're gonna still have slavery, then we'll still have slavery because my priority is the union. I'm gonna put things very carefully in order, although I agree with the abolitionists in principle. You can't just jump to the ideal. You have to work there, and so
1: I—the I, the real balance between real politics and yeah. ideals, ideals.
0: Yeah, and and we live in an age of you know yelling. Your ideals is seen as leadership. Yeah. You know that uh, you know, Frederick Douglass is an amazing American historical figure in shaping American culture, but Abraham Lincoln would probably be a better president than Frederick Douglass, especially in eighteen sixty. So so. Vote for the next day, Blinken. Don't vote for Frederick Douglass, even if you think it is Frederick Douglass. And my goodness, none of these people are Frederick Douglass. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's such a weird discussion. And uh, there, were, and we're also, by the way, on this podcast, not really discussing coronavirus, no, and the possible shakeups because it's an it's an international story. I don't know that there'll be a particular Israel angle, although it likely well, will disrupt life here in Israel.
1: Well, certainly already affected. It will, it's already affected. There uh, are cases tourism. Here. It's already affected tourism and also the uh, the, uh, education ministry has canceled all the um, trips to Poland between now and basically called the winter trips. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about, you know, thousands of students. I mean, more than, you know, more, uh, I don't know, really thousands of students. I do Um, think it's likely,
0: you know, I don't think anybody should be hitting any panic buttons, but I do think it's likely that we should be expecting more disruptions, not fewer. In, yeah, in the even future.
1: though even though again, media age and overblown. It's so they just hard. put out the the, yeah. the news, you know, just put out today the real statistics and I mean again, the amount of people dying is very very small. Sure. So,
0: yeah. Um, but depending on how many people catch it. Yeah. You know, I think the 1918 yeah, Spanish bad. flu that yeah. was a pandemic 19, yeah. and killed I think that also was a little around 2% mortality rate. It, no, it was higher.
1: It's about ten percent. No, right. five hundred million were infected. See, that's the fifty problem. million were. That's why. That's that's uh, uh, what I saw.
0: Well, part of the problem also with coronavirus is we're getting a lot of our but it's uh, less uh, in numbers th- from
1: China. Right. Exactly. And then also, if you adjust for age, so those it's under complicated. Uh, those under fifty, it's like less than one percent.
0: It's complicated, but uh, you know, I mean, however, if you have
1: previous. I don't think I would, how do we get on this tangent by the way? Things that we're not talking about. <laughs> things that we're not talking about, we're not talking podcast, about. Yeah. So you can turn off the podcast now yeah. because we're so, not talking about them. Let's wrap it up now.
0: Although I do think it's going to have implications on our economy and our and life here. Yeah. As it will in all countries. And I think people should be looking ahead to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not a very positive ending, yeah. but hopefully we'll be getting to we're we're going through a time, uh turbulent time. Hopefully, in order to get on the other side to a more stable and sensible political infrastructure, bureaucratic (laughs) and health situation. God willing. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Ben, for engineering us to the end of this episode, which this is. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Join us next time.